All right. Well, welcome back to another episode of the Fresh Brains Podcast. Uh, with you, as always, I'm your host, Scott. And I'm Brian. Um, Brian, I'm, I, I, I got to say, I'm, I'm shocked that uh, the movie we're watching this week's one you haven't seen. It's a uh, scream, right? It is. Watching, yeah. Uh, yeah it's, I mean, some of the ones that we've seen are a little more obscure, like Freaks. I was, I, I was pretty sure that that was a safe bet. Um, you yeah, know, even, not even, a really safe movie. <laughs> yeah, and even a lot of the other ones that you know we've talked about, uh, there's there are things that you have seen that that surprise me, and then things you haven't that surprise me. So you're you're just a big old bundle of mysteries buddy Ooh, cool i like that i like mysteries too but i guess this is sort of the wrong podcast for that well i mean tonight's kind of goes along with that um so i won't obviously not going to spoil anything about the movie but um as you know everything that we're trying to pick i i do because it's significant in in some manner and we'll get into why scream is is important but um really it it is so I guess let's let's start here. I know you've seen a couple, but how many slasher movies are, are have you seen or are you familiar with? I've heard of well, I mean I've seen Freddy with you, right? Night on Elm Street and one of the sequels, I think. Dream Team. I know we watched part three together. Have you seen any of the others? No, just the ones I've watched with you. Okay. Um then Friday the thirteenth we watched Oh, I love we, that. We watched part four together. Mm-hmm. Did you and watch any first... others? Nope. Okay, so you've just seen part four of Friday the 13th, part three of Nightmare on Elm Street. You've never seen a Halloween movie, I know. Nope. So some of this, oh, I guess, it, yeah. The I Know What You Did Last Summer sort of comes to mind. Mm-hmm. I, there's this guy with a ghost mask. It's been parodied like a billion times. Yeah, the ghost this... mask is from this. Oh, okay. And it's not related to last summer. No. The I know what you did last summer's the urban legends. The those were all you know kind of offshoot not offshoots of this but they they were made you know trying to ride the coattails of the popularity of the the scream world um but no unrelated um you know where where scream was so important and i guess where a little bit of it might get lost on you is it does it did two things really well um first off it re reinvigorated revitalized the horror genre because when this movie came out in 1996 horror was basically dead uh we had yeah there was a great run through the 80s that's when we got all of our you know just the the slasher kick um there were there was a new slasher all the time uh constantly coming out movies were fun they didn't really have an agenda it was just over the top enjoyable fun movies and the problem was kind of by the end of the 80s as you've heard you know the friday the 13th so that just sequel after sequel um we had several nightmare on elm streets we had several halloweens we had several child's play like all these movies just kept going and going and even the ones that weren't part of franchises like every holiday you can think of there was a slasher movie for it um 
they in this this was kind of one of those things where it was popular so they just kept doing it but by the end of the 80s the fans were kind of burned out on it but also the studios were completely sick of it uh paramount you know is a studio that was you know famous for just being embarrassed by all of the slashers they were the ones responsible for friday the 13th and they almost disowned it like they just wanted it to be done and gone they couldn't sell it fast enough so they were it was this catch-22 where these movies were so profitable and were making so much stinking money for them it was impossible for them to say no we won't make another one but at the same time they were just tired of of doing these because the the general consensus was that they're just trash movies that don't have any substance or value to them and kind of by the end of the 80s that's where they were they didn't want to make these anymore so they said okay let let's reevaluate and shift and they said you know for the 90s new era let's do something different um but the problem is they didn't have any new ideas so the two things that did happen in the 90s and this is kind of what defined horror for a while was there were still studios that were trying to make the slashers because hey this is what was popular last decade and this is where you got um you know leprechaun comes to mind like that whole franchise which was just almost unwatchable for most of most of them <laughs> um you you just it, it was these things that's like they just they were still trying to milk the same cow even though the cow had dried out and turned to dust by this point and people people weren't really excited about these movies either you know so it wasn't just the studios but everybody was just tired of seeing the same thing um but the other thing that a lot of the studios were doing is they said okay the the 80s movies were so low budget were so cheap and easy to make let's go to some actual high-end high dollar high budget movies so a lot of the movies in the in the 90s started having big actors uh big studios big budgets and they they thought this would fix it this will make it legitimized again and it really just sucked for lack of a better term uh, <laughs> because you know big studios big actors like that's just not a lot of what you think of for horror so yeah horror kind of just died and the few horror movies that were coming out in the early 90s were just trash and this movie came along directed by Wes Craven who's you know one of the the thing right no that's a John Carpenter um oh, okay Wes Craven did um you know, kind of kicked things off with Last House on the Left but I mean most famously he did A Nightmare on Elm Street like he's the guy behind oh. Freddy um he did Shocker he did People Under the Stairs he did a lot of other things too but he's one of those big names like people knew Wes Craven and he came along and said, okay, let's let's try to find a way to reinvigorate horror. So he had this idea for this movie that was going to be very um, fresh and new, but also very meta and very aware and self-aware of, of what it was. So right. as you kind of watch this, it's it's not really a parody of horror movies but it's it's a movie that's in on the on its own joke and it knows 
that it's kind of like making fun of slasher movies. It's very self-referential and makes the point to say, yeah, we all know slashers are, are done. Um, (laughs) Ironically, he then makes a slasher to point that out, but the whole movie and you'll, you'll kind of see how this, you know, plays out is the, the, the movie was designed to, point out all of those cliches and all of those things that we all now have heard, you know, of, Oh, if you have sex, you're going to be the first one to die. Oh, if you, um, you know, ever split up from your friends, you're going to die. Like all the, the rules of horror, like we all kind of knew them because the slasher movies were very formulaic at this point, but Mm. this movie really points it out and makes it a plot point, but it does it in a legitimate way. And so in years following this, we kind of got the, um, the, there was a slate of these kind of tongue in cheek uh, meta horror comedies. You know, you think about like Shaun of the Dead, Tucker and Dale versus Evil, Behind Mm -hmm. the Mask, you know, films like that, that are making fun of the genre while still being part of it. And this is what really kicked this off. This was the first movie that kind of blew everybody away because it's like, wait a minute, it's it's a legitimate and good movie while at the same time pointing out the, the meta-ness of, of, you know, the movie genre. So Hmm. it was very, very successful. Um, I I don't have the box office numbers in front of me, but I mean, it grossed just a shit ton of money and really kickstarted and re gave, you know, rebuilt horror. Um, Cool. Then, yeah, the the downside of that was then everybody in Hollywood said, oh, that was successful. Let's just do that a billion times. So then you started getting all the, you know, uh, like copycats and clone movies. And that's where you're I know what you did last summer is an urban legends and that kind of thing came from. But okay, so for the record, I don't think I've ever seen I know what you did last summer or any of those. No, they made a bunch. And I've also not seen People Under the Stairs or that other one you mentioned, Shocker or something. I'm not surprised you haven't seen Shocker or People Under the Stairs. We might do one down the road. People Under the Stairs would be fun. Um, Shocker. Shocker is a great one. If you've got some friends together who just want to watch a movie and have fun, do that one. It's It's about a serial killer who at the beginning of the movie is put on death row. He gets the electric chair and <laughs> it's through, a pun. through um, basically, I forget if it's voodoo or magic or something, he becomes part of electricity and he can go around <laughs> killing people and getting revenge through electricity. It's, it's ridiculous, but it's a blast. <laughs> that sounds fantastic. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, get 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 some friends at a six pack and go watch Shocker sometime. It's you you'll have fun with it. Cool, done. So yeah, that, I don't want to talk too much more about what what Scream is because it's there, there's a lot to it. It is legitimate. If you've managed to go this many years and you haven't seen it, I'm not definitely not going to spoil it. And I'm I'm happy that you get to watch this without the spoiler because going back to what you said originally, it is a mystery. There's um. You know, it's kind of the who done it, who is the killer kind of movie, and and I think the unlike a lot of those cliched slashers that we saw in the '80s, 
this one holds up and I, I think it's a really well-written movie. Um, lots and lots of nods and um, tip of the hat to the audience if, and horror fans thrown in here too. So I think as we do this show more and as you see more and more horror movies, I would recommend you go revisit this later and you'll, you'll just see all sorts of fun little Easter eggs thrown in here. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. It sounds great. I'm really looking forward to watching it. I, uh, it sounds like it might sort of have like a, a similar goodness, but not seriousness that uh, child's play had. I really loved that movie. I'd say definitely more serious than child's play. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. That, that also knew what it was doing, but was kind of aware of the ridiculousness of the fact that it's a voodoo possessed toy. <laughs> This this one takes it much more serious, takes itself much more seriously than that did. Okay, cool. Yeah, let's do it. All right, then I would say everybody can go grab some popcorn, and uh, we'll be back in just a minute with our fresh thoughts on Scream. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Delicious things to eat. The popcorn can't be beat. The sparkling drinks are just dandy. The chocolate bars and the candy. So let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. What would you think? Oh, that movie rocked. That was that was a great movie. It was hysterical. I think I I think I laughed the whole freaking time. And uh, I think you know you probably heard me muttering and going, "Oh no, but it's this person. Oh, it's that person." I thought fucking everybody in that whole fucking movie did it. <laughs> it was great. Yeah, I guess the the first thing I'll address there is your uh, <laughs> you're right. You were you were laughing much more than I expected for um. For scream, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, they, you're right. They they do a great job with the red herrings here. Uh, I I guess we should say the same thing that we've said, you know, on every episode. But in case this is your first episode listening, we're gonna spoil this movie completely. Like, there's just no way to have a good conversation about it without spoiling. So, if um, somehow you are like Brian and have managed to go this whole time and not seen Scream. I, I think we can both say it's it's worth a watch. Yeah, go go watch it right now. Yeah, it's Tonight. don't spoil it if if you've managed to go this far and and don't have this or and haven't had it spoiled yet. Take a break. Go go watch it. Come back. You know we'll still be here. But uh, yeah, we're we're spoilers all here on out. So right. um, yeah. So it it I think the movie does a really really good job of keeping the red herrings going like they, they never really led on to who it is the whole time. Did, did you have it figured out? Do you think? I no, Cause I still very towards the end, I thought they were going to trick us and it was going to be the dad. Right. And, uh, as soon as I think, as soon as I saw that guy come around the corner with the, the really goofy dude, I don't remember his name. Matthew Lillard. Um, Willard, yeah. 
So he was one of the killers. And as soon as he came around the corner and he didn't have any blood and he wasn't scraped up or anything, I figured it was him. But up until then, I had no freaking clue. And I was super surprised when the boyfriend came back to life. That really got me. I was like, what the fuck? Yeah, that's and that was the big. uh, I guess conceit or, you know, the 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 obviously it was the twist of the movie but the reason it was so successful is yeah two killers like who who would have thought that and i think that was wes craven's way of keeping all of the people who had been watching slashers for 15 years on their toes because yeah that had never been done before or if it had i'm completely unaware of it so you know the the movies like this, you know, we're used to seeing all the red herrings and they'd, they'd place characters in there and there's always some little line dropped or they try to get you to think it's this person or it's that character. And it's usually pretty obvious who's not the killer. Um, but I think in this case, there's there's just no way that you could guess that. There's no way that you would have thought, oh, there were two of them involved. And part of what I liked about it too, was that it helped explain a lot of things that otherwise would have just made no sense. And uh, things like, for example, um, you know, after the the cameraman that works with Gail Weathers, when he's killed, you know, I was watching this movie with my wife and she made a comment about how she's like, wait, shouldn't there be a body there? Cause Gail comes back later and the cameraman had just been killed mm-hmm. and he's in the top of the car. Right. And I was like, well, yeah, that ghost face drug the body away. And she said, no, he didn't. He immediately started chasing after uh, Nev Campbell, which is true. Oh, shit. But the other killer didn't. So there's lots of little things in the movie that play off of each other that way. And when you go back and rewatch it after knowing that it's Matthew Lillard and Skeet Ulrich, you can tell how they how they play off of each other. And it's it's very, very clever that they they do that fairly throughout the whole film. Damn. Yeah, I even thought it was doers until they finally gave him like the alibi with the uh, with Gail, right? He and Oh do we, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Cause like I think the first the first hint they, they sort of push towards him is that um so the killer calls her after she leaves the uh, the sheriff's department, and um, then the killer hangs up, and he immediately comes out of his locked room, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and I think then he they're in the grocery store, right? And you see the killer in the grocery store, and then the next scene he's talking to the sheriff. The sheriff's like, "Oh, what have you been up to?" And he says, "Oh, you know, keeping an eye on the girls." And then he's got an ice cream because they were in the ice cream section. Yeah, so funny. I was happy it wasn't him, though. Yeah, and I think the only the only thing that would keep those red herrings from actually working is that I don't know that there's anybody who could do a costume change that quickly. Like most of those scenes, like the one you just mentioned with Mm -hmm. the convenience store. Yeah, you see Ghostface in the reflection and it's immediately after that Dewey shows up and is talking to the sergeant. So I guess it wouldn't take too long to rip a mask and robe off, but otherwise it would usually the costume change, you know, would, would be the hindrance there. But uh, yeah, I guess I just figured it was just, you know, movie magic. 
So I, sure, I didn't, sure. didn't think about that. Yeah. And there's, you know, a lot of other clever things early on when, you know, you start the movie and the, the scene with w- which you first starts calling um, Nev Campbell and mm-hmm. yeah, you, you, he, the killer hangs up the phone and immediately there's Skeeter Ulrich at, at the window. Yeah, so because they were both there. Right. So Crap. the thought of, oh, it can't be him because we just saw the killer on the porch. And now here he is climbing up the bedroom or the ladder to the window. And there's no way he could have gotten there that quickly. Yet at the same time, he's got the phone that falls out of his pocket. And obviously the cops think it, too, because they then arrest him. But that's just that that clever twist of where they were both there doing it. Yeah, see, I thought, again, it was like movie magic, right? And then, um, but it wasn't. It actually all makes sense. Holy Mm -hmm. crap. That's why he was on the phone and moving around doing shit, because one of them was holding the phone. Right. Ah, damn. Well, and then they even throw you off later, because I can remember the, the first time I saw this, what was the big twist moment for me was kind of, Nev Campbell putting it together when she's up in the bedroom with Skeet Ulrich and says, you know, kind of clicks with her. She goes, wait, who did you use your one phone call for when you were in prison or when you were in jail? Oh yeah. I thought about that actually, but then yeah, he kind of hesitates and he's like, Oh, I called my dad. And she's like, no, you didn't. The Sergeant called your dad. I watched him and he kind of stumbles and he's like, Oh yeah, the line was busy or there was no answer when I called, but it was just that clever moment of it's like, oh, she got him because he called her from the police station, which later it turns out he didn't. But that's he didn't? when did they say he didn't? Well, he, he wouldn't have needed to. Matthew Lillard could have. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I actually thought of that. I remember thinking of that when after she got the call and they said that they had. But anyway, because I thought, oh, he's got one phone call. But then I was like, well, it probably would have been like, do you want to accept this call from so-and-so? But, but yeah, no, it actually works. Yeah. So that was the moment that I thought I kind of had it all figured out. But then even that, they then throw it back at you because yeah. he goes downstairs <laughs> and is immediately stabbed. Or he doesn't even go downstairs. Yeah, yeah the, the, the ghost face comes to the room and stabs him. It's like, oh, well, guess we were wrong. Oh man. And that scene where the, the movie buff guy, he's he's drunk on the couch and you think, oh, he's been drinking. He broke his rule and oh man. I, that was one of the best scenes in in a horror movie I've ever seen. It was so funny. God Yeah, so what what do you think of all of the um the movie rules and you know oh, the horror yeah. movie rules? Totally. Totally. It was really funny. Yeah, well, it's just like you said. So, you know, it's it's kind of funny that they, I guess you're saying this is sort of the first time they had a movie that was so meta and sort of laid all the rules down in black and white. That I could remember, yeah. And again, it was all rules that we all, all knew or yeah. made jokes about. You know, you watch every Friday the 13th movie and it's like, yep, the, the couple that goes and sneaks off to have sex, like they're the first ones who are going to die then whoever's lighting up a joint and drinking beer, like they're all going to die. But the, the, the innocent virgin girl, like she never does. She's the one who survives to the end. Like it just is this 
formula that always happened. And I don't think it was intentional. It was just kind of coincidental until after a certain point, they kind of said, okay, this works. And again, I think it was a combination of we found something that works, but also we don't have any creativity to come up with something original. So let's just stick with it kind of thing. But Mm. yeah, that did kind of become the trope. And this was the first movie to really call that out and then throw it into an actual movie. Yeah, man, this movie is so funny. I think, I think you're right. I think when I actually have to rewatch this and, you know, I bet I have a bunch of friends who haven't seen this movie either, Mm -hmm. but like, it's sort of like what you said. I I was kind of skeptical when you were describing it because you were saying it's, you know, meta and funny, but it's still a legit movie. And it, and I, I couldn't quite figure out how it could be so legit, but it really was. It was mm-hmm. it was really creative. It even even now after it's been, I realize, parodied to death, you know. And um, but I mean, and and I guess Wes Craven's I sort of known for this, right? He's like his films are good, right? He's oh yeah. Each each scene each scene was shot really well. You know, they use, he didn't really, there was like no CGI in this movie at all, right? Right. It was all practical effects or whatever you call them. And um, yeah, so each scene was really well filmed and there were like still some jump scares. It was, it was jump scares like to infinity though, because like every character entered a scene with the trumpet noise. (laughs) Right, right. Like every single time. But it was still, yeah. Man, blew blew me away. I was I was really surprised by this movie. Yeah, and, and you're right. It walks the line of legit horror, but also comedy. Um, the you know the horror part, obviously, it's a it's a good slasher. It keeps you on your toes. The kills are are good. There's you know some that are very visceral. Um, Drew Barrymore and her boyfriend at the beginning is you know that's very graphic. Yeah the um girl i can't think of the actress's name who gets stuck in the garage door uh, oh yeah that was very that was darkly darkly hot uh, darkly humorous yeah it's it, it, there there is some humor there i guess just in the the awkward situation that she gets in but um the the effect of the kill is is good and then the later yeah. reveal of the body uh, and and there's just a lot of kind of that gratuitous almost like hitchcock um the the stabbing you know so yeah especially there toward the end with skeet and matthew like is there they're covering up their tracks so like we have to look like we've been stabbed so they literally stab each other but and then they don't trust each other it's so visceral though to just the, the the sound effects and it's it's like you can feel the puncture as through that scene so yeah, it's true. And it's intense. It keeps you on your toes. So, yeah, I think it's very effective as an actual horror movie. But then the, the comedy is just throughout. I mean, obviously, you've got Jamie Kennedy, who's trying to tell you all the rules. You know, he's he's very funny in the uh, video store as yeah. he's talking about, oh, what would this guy you know, this guy's really brave for coming, you know, being a prime suspect. And now he is hanging out in the horror movie <laughs> section and talking about prom night and he's you I, like we yeah, have the cops had just watched prom night they'd know who it was right away like it's there's 
I don't know that movie, by the way. Uh, we'll we'll probably watch Prom Night at some point. Um, it's it was an earlier slasher, but it, it kind of used some of these ideas. Cool. Yeah, um, when I'm when I'm not so fresh anymore after this podcast, I'm gonna definitely have to go back and rewatch this because I feel like I I didn't get. I think I only got maybe like thirty percent of what I thought might have been references <laughs> in this movie. Oh yeah, there's tons. Um, Halloween is playing on the background through most of the that party that they're at. In, in the video store, maybe Frankenstein's on the TV. Mm. Uh, yeah, they reference prom night and talk about that quite a bit. They obviously are talking the trivia of Halloween and Friday the Thirteenth and A Nightmare on Elm Street. Yep. So, they had the Mothman prophecies as a movie poster in, in the movie store. That's one of my favorites. Oh, okay. I didn't notice that one. Yeah, and then obviously there's the uh, Freddy Krueger sweater on the on oh, the janitor. On the janitor, yeah. <laughs> you know, you you raise a good point about the sound playing a, a role in this movie. I really did. I think I noticed that too. So I I noticed the soundtrack was also really pretty good. Like I think I. I commented on this a bunch, right? Like every time the high school shows up, it's like this grungy, like metal pop kind of thing with like furnace noises in it. And it's, I just thought that was really funny, right? Because high school is like this dark, depressing place, right? It's a little crazy and grungy. And that's what the music was for that scene. And um, yeah, obviously the trumpets were everywhere. I don't know. I just, yeah, I guess, I guess I liked that part about it too. When they, they also, I think I had to point this out when we were watching, but when they got to kind of the chase there at the end in the house, they were using the, the soundtrack to Halloween, uh, which wasn't really that they spliced that into the movie because it was what was going on on the TV in the background. But obviously it was louder than that TV could have been, but, that's yeah yeah it was a very very nice little nod to to halloween yeah yeah were the fences they they kept like getting stuck on fences was that a shout out to texas chainsaw is that scene where she's like going through the fence isn't there no i don't think i don't i didn't catch that as anything we did make a comment about how that was the shittiest most shittily constructed fence ever like (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, she she literally just pulled it apart, right, with like one hand. Then the the news van hits it and takes down an entire panel of oh, it. Yeah, man. Yeah, for such a nice house, that was a really shitty fence. <laughs> yeah, man. Oh, that movie was great. Yeah. So, what'd you think of Courtney Cox being in there as Gail Weathers? Oh, I can't believe they actually made the same joke that that you did about the weather, the meteorologist, right? Gail Weathers, she's the anchor woman. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so funny. But yeah, no, she was great. I thought she was a she perfect, perfect nosy reporter. She's yeah, it's like an interesting character. Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. And, and she's like seducing Dewey or Dewers. What was Dwight? Dewey. Or Dewey. Dewey. Yeah, it, she's an interesting character that I've never really known whether I like her in this or not, because she's obviously obnoxious and 
kind of in everybody's business, which is who she's supposed to be. Mm -hmm. But she ends up playing a very important role, obviously, especially at the end. But it kind of feels like we could have done with without her. Like she almost just feels like unnecessary, but she's good. So it's it's hard to complain about it. But yeah, the, she's always that one character in the movie that I'm just like, could could we not have her? I don't know. I think she sort of like played a role. She she brought in like outside information. Like she she talked about she was like a good reason to talk about the the case, like what happened with um the God, mom. I don't even, the mom. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, um, that's a good point. Kind of like a good perspective. Like without her, you wouldn't have not you wouldn't have had the watching the kids watching TV from the van, which I thought was pretty pretty clever. That's well, a good and also. Without her, because I guess you didn't need the whole mom angle, although mm-hmm. that does add a lot more depth to it. It, it explains mm-hmm. why, you know, Skeet is going after her. He was the one who killed the mom a year ago. Uh, the fact that it's playing on the anniversary of the mom's death, like that, that all did add some motivation and some background to it. Yeah. So it's a worthwhile thing to have in there. But without Gail, the only way you would have known about that is to have one of those really obvious and obnoxious info dump scenes where yeah. two characters just walk up to each other and be like, wait, isn't isn't this the anniversary of when your mom died? That's mm-hmm. right. Yeah, your mom. She she was raped and killed by the guy. And it, and it would have just been that super awkward dialogue yeah. that. You know, in this in this case, there was a more much more logical way to get that information there. Yeah. Uh, And we got to see Courtney Cox get punched in the face. Oh, yeah, that was great. It was really funny. God, and there are a lot of lines from this. What is what is the I think every D&D game I've ever played, someone says, what am I, the beer wench? (laughs) (laughs) That's from is that from this movie? This movie wasn't referencing anything for that, was it? It's not a line that I know anywhere else. Oh, my God. So it's kind of funny to finally see sort of where that comes from, I guess. That's funny. Yeah, and I guess just going back to the um, the, the humor and the comedy, um, it's... Brilliant. Yeah, especially Matthew Lillard at the end. It's, it was funny listening to my wife talk about the movie because he was just annoying the hell out of her the whole time. But <laughs> He was. I, he was so annoying. Oh, my God. But so funny. He's an obnoxious, obnoxious character, but there at the end like just how whiny he gets it's <laughs> did you really he's, call the cops he's sitting what? there be so sitting there sad. dying and <laughs> my, my parents are gonna be so disappointed <laughs> so funny oh my god he like oh. it, he definitely reaches out and grabs every at least every guy viewers inner child asshole (laughs) it's just so yeah so funny but yeah so the the meta idea of this movie um i don't want to get too spoilery into other films in the franchise but that that's kind of the the shtick that that scream went with yeah so then with scream two and three two and three definitely um they really played on the idea of continuing like here's what horror movies do. So Mm -hmm. when scream two came out, 
they very much tried to make a movie that makes fun of what a part two always does. And it just walks that line of every horror movie part two. This uses the same tropes. This, you know, so it plays the same game of talking Mm -hmm. about here are the rules. Here's the way it works. Here's how it happens. And they do that there. Part three is the same thing. They talk about, yeah, by the time you get to a part three, everything is this and this and this. And that's exactly what they do in the movie, too. So it's it's clever um, how they how they kind of play with with that. And I haven't seen the most recent one, which is technically the it's not really Scream 5, but it's the fifth one. But from everything I've heard, they're really playing off that idea, too, of the um, like. Not full on reboot, but how franchises from that era got to the point where all of the sequels were just terrible. So they kind of had to say, let's just start over, but not make a remake. Let's (laughs) call it a, you know, I think the new term is like a requel, which is like the. Oh, wow. I've never heard that. You ignore every sequel and just go back to the original and say, like, this is the new part two but you still have a lot of nostalgia from the original. So like you'll bring back characters and things from the first movie and be like, look, here's, here's the nostalgia for the old fans, but we're modernizing it and retelling it for the new fans. And it's, it's this weird thing that ignores everything in the middle. And that's what scream five was, but it was also making fun of the fact that this is what all of these franchises are doing. Uh, Mm. A new Texas Chainsaw just did that exact same thing. The new Halloween just did the exact same thing. Like they're all kind of doing that. And so it's for for better or worse. And I, I'll let you be the judge of how effective or successful some of these sequels were. They they continued to play with that game throughout. Hmm. Man, wait, so. When when did the latest Scream come out? Uh, I want to say it was either very early this year or fall of last year. But oh you know, wow, with within the last year or so, crap. And I think I just saw recently an announcement for Scream Six is is coming or starting development or something. So <laughs> well. As that whiny character said, you gotta have the sequel. (laughs) (laughs) Gosh. Yeah. All right. So one last point that I wanted to bring up uh, before we completely close out here. And I got to be careful tiptoeing around this because there's a very, very heavy reference in this movie to another famous film that you haven't seen yet and we're definitely going to do on the show okay so i can't spoil it but the the idea of drew barrymore here at the beginning of this movie is a huge nod to another horror movie okay so the idea with this scene was i don't know if you remember the um like marketing or advertising advertising for this movie when it came out but Drew Barrymore was very much billed as kind of like the, the lead actress of this movie. The reporter? And Gail? No, Drew Barrymore, the blonde who gets killed right at the beginning. Oh, oh, sorry. I don't know movie actors, <laughs> but okay. So yeah, she was billed as kind of the, the lead actress. 
Okay. And she was on the poster, you know, kind of front and center. She, you know, was it was if you looked at all the the posters and the the publicity, it showed you know Scream starring Drew Barrymore, Nev Campbell, you know, Courtney Cox. Like her name was was front right. and center. Wow. And that was done as an homage to another very famous movie that again we'll watch later that did the exact same thing where they they brought people into the theater saying here's our big actress she's the star of the movie and then halfway through killed her off and completely (laughs) took the audience by surprise they had no idea what to expect going forward because like wait we came here to see this character and this character is now gone and Hmm. this was doing the same thing and i remember people saying that when they saw this like drew barrymore she's in it like she's the star and then five minutes later she's dead it's like um that now what <laughs> yeah it was pretty funny man yeah, definitely that, definitely that throws you off but scene. also was a, a a very nice you know homage to a very famous film okay cool well i'm looking forward to watching this quote very famous film how famous <laughs> can it be if i haven't seen that <laughs> yeah <laughs> sure exactly that, <laughs> <laughs> all right well i would say all in all I'm, I'm glad that you were thumbs up on on scream oh three thumbs three thumbs up on this one wow that's that's that's, that's quite a bit of praise there brian i don't, I don't yeah. even know how you could pull that off uh me neither but you know i'll figure it out but man <laughs> oh this movie was fantastic i think this is one of the best movies you know i said we were we were touting touting barbarian which is still in theaters maybe if you haven't seen it go see it but i don't know totally different type of horror movie this one but god it was so good this was so good i really really enjoyed this picked me up i was having kind of a crappy day and then this movie this movie was really did a 180 awesome Mm. movie all right wes craven fixed your bad day good for him totally He, he has that he has that ability (laughs) <laughs> cool at least for me i don't know about you <laughs> yeah I, I mean i've seen a couple other movies by him and i, I like them so this weird one where they're little like creatures coming out of the mirror or something creatures them. coming out them. of the mirror did you see that one i'm pretty know sure what... it's craven i have to do some digging i can't think of what you're thinking of okay yeah, they like steal children and they come out of the mirror. Don't know that one. Oh, okay. Cool. Well, I'll I'll see if I can figure out the name and send it to you. All right. Or if any of our listeners know, they can you know write in and let me know too. Um, maybe it'd be a good one for us to do on the show. If you know what the uh, crazy mirror monster movie is that Brian's <laughs> talking about, email us at freshbrainspodcast at gmail dot com. Also, don't forget to come over and join us on social media. We're on Instagram and Facebook at Fresh Brains Podcast. Uh, lots of fun conversations and things to be had there. So recommend you come check it out. Um, yeah, so it's pretty much all I have to say about Scream. Brian, any last-minute thoughts? Ah, got to end on a scream. No, it was great. Go watch it. Yes, go watch it. So, all right, well, until next time... Um, I'm Scott. And I'm Brian. 
And just remember, if there's a killer after you and you're going to have sex with a virgin, make sure you're faster than they are. Mm-hmm.